Today's Old Testament reading is from Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, my salvation to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. The psalm reading for today is Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer and suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The New Testament reading is from Romans, the first chapter. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For, it is the, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so today's gospel lesson is unique. I can't say I've done this in over 21 years. 
but it's the same story, five ways. I'm going to read one. We're going to have different voices read it. So, first gospel part from Matthew chapter 28. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark sixteen fourteen to 16 Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 48. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is John 20, verses 19 through 21. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And from Acts 1, verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the gospel of the Lord. All right, so we're on the fifth week. By the time we get to next Saturday, we'll have completed our 40 days, but right now we're not there yet. We're on uh, the, the target of going. Now, if I was to think, say the word, you know how you say if, so contrast, if I say white, you could think of black. If, if I say tall, you could think of shorter. You know, you could say one word, what's the next word association that would go with that? So if I give you the word going, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Going, what? Staying, went, going, went, going what? Coming, what else? Going, gone, like going, going, gone, going, what else? Where? <laughs> there you go. Going. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? We're a small cart. We get to talk about this. Stuff. Going. What, what comes to your mind? Forward. How about home? 
That's one that came to my mind. But you know what the first thing that came to my mind is I thought about the word going and just randomly, for some reason, the word fishing came to my mind. <laughs> right? Going, and I just thought fishing. And up until the time we moved here, I really didn't get it. I mean, I've lived in Arizona a lot, and I've spent some time in other states, but a lot of Arizona, a lot of Southwest, and there's not a lot of fishing. It's pretty dry. So going, but here, fishing, going, fishing. So this last summer, uh, our oldest son was with us sometime, and he likes to fish. He had a friend in Texas that he would go fishing with, and um, he has a kayak. And so he got out of his kayak, and he went fishing. And he doesn't like to really be alone. He's just a kid that, even now, he, if he's going to do something, he wants to do something with people. So Jeffrey goes out fishing. I think he had his brothers on the shoreline, but it's kind of awkward because he had one kayak and other people. So the task that week was to find kayaks. And I didn't want to, we don't have the money to buy a bunch of kayaks, but we thought there's a lot of kayaks sitting in people's backyards that they never use anyway, so I'll ask. And Brett Agus over here, he, he's, a, he's a church friend of ours. He said, well, pastor, I've got like three kayaks, so I can, we don't use them very much. Just come pick them up in your truck. I said, great. I just needed one more. He says, oh, and my, my brother-in-law and my sister, they have, they have kayaks. So I went over to the Armstrongs, and they threw kayaks in the back of the truck. Before you know it, I went home. We got kayaks, one for everybody. So the joy that Jeffrey experienced on the lake, right? This beautiful, peaceful, quiet little nook of this lake, the trees, the calming of the, it just, he infected us. He invited us like, to join with him. So now I've got mom and, and I've got Nanette and his brothers and myself. We're out there on these kayaks and we're, we're trying to catch fish. We're not very good, right? But we're slinging the baits and we're trying to do stuff. But it was really kind of cool. Well, I, we, we went back to Mixer Agus and we learned how to maybe catch fish a little bit better. We got some ideas on that. And then we invited another one of our friends because we're telling them how awesome this is. So then before you know it, we got Miss Marnell or Catherine's over there. She's joining us on the lake. And this is really fun because now we got, it's so cool for us. We wanted to share it. And now she's joined us. She took us up on this and she joined us. Now that we got good at fishing, right? Because, well, actually at that point, we weren't very good at fishing, but we're getting better at it. <laughs> and, and at least we were not slinging in the trees every time. And, um, but before you know it, we started catching a few fish, and I started telling folks around the church, you know, hey, we went fishing, this is what we're doing, we're catching fish, and a lot of you are like, I live by the lake, I go to the lake all the time, and it's like, I was telling you something that you did in first grade, and I'm just discovering it, so you entertain me, but finally I got to say this to another friend of ours, and this, for some reason in our world, God has crossed paths, you know, like there's some reason why God has put me here and you here, and we're sharing life and time together. Well, this person, we met for the first time by, while we're still out of state getting ready to move in here, and he was trying to help us find a place to live. And then we find that, and he helped us find a house. So I finally tell him, I said, all right, I, I always call him Mr. Wimmer, Chris Wimmer. I said, we found this great place to fish, and I'm just going on and on about the beauty and the quiet and this little creek that goes up in the clear water. And he says, let's go. And so here we go. He takes the offer, and, and now I've got a friend, and I'm so excited about this. We get the kayaks down there, we're paddling across, and I'm hoping, oh, God, those says, catch some fish today. Well, he's a professional. I mean, when he slings that bait into the water, he could put it like to a number 10 can right there and a number 10 can over there, and I'm hitting the trees, and I'm going all over the place. But he's really good. The catch was is that whatever the baits that Mr. Agus told me to use worked, and even though he's a really good fisherman, he knows how to do this, his weren't working so well. And I was really feeling kind of bummed. It's like, wow. I mean, part of the experience is just not the beauty of the lake and the peacefulness and the quiet, but part of the excitement is to actually catch a fish. So we move way up into the creek, and it's exceptionally beautiful up there. And he's leading the way, and he's casting like a pro, casting like a pro, not catching a whole lot. I think he caught one up to that point. And I'm still goofing around and just catching fish. Finally, I said, here, so swap holes. 
and he uses mine. And like the pro with my pole, man, he slings over there within two casts, the bass jumps out of the water, splashing, and he's smiling like a school kid and reeling his fish in. It's like, yes, the joy that I was experiencing on the lake and the, the beauty of this place. Now he's fully engaged with this. He's, he's catching the fish. I mean, within about another 15 minutes, he's catching like five more fish. It was just an amazingly good day, beautiful place. The breeze was right. The sun was right. It was just perfect. Now I'm telling you all this, not just to tell you five minutes of a cool fishing story that eventually spread to other people and, and friends and people that are near and dear to us. I'm telling you so you get a sense of what it's like to share good news for Jesus. Because I can assure you that while I like to share the ideas of a lake with friends and the ideas of catching fish with friends, and just, you know, you might have some really exceptional things in your life that you really love, and when your family comes, you want them to experience, right? You might take them on a pontoon ride. You might show them something that's by your house. You might take them to a park. You might take them to your favorite restaurant. You always want to show them your best. You just want them to enjoy your best. Well, my best, I'll just tell you now that just why I'm here and why I'm, God's purpose, my best is to make sure that you get my very best gift, and it's the gift that's been given to me as Jesus. Of all the things in the world, the things that's absolutely most important, the thing that's good now and tomorrow and the next day and the next day, even to the ends of life, when we breathe our laugh, we get to go home. I, that's the story that is most delightful to me. That's why I'm a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor, but when they gave me the story and they called me to do this, now this is what I do, and I can't stop. It's, 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 a, it's the most beautiful thing. Think about it. It starts off with being. We did that. How fun is it for someone like me or you to share with somebody how much God loves them? I mean, the depth of that, he knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows your motive. He knows your fears. He knows your failures. He knows your successes. He knows your dreams. God knows everything about you, and he absolutely loves you. He looks upon you more than any human mother or father can look upon their child and just delights in who you are. You're made in his image and his likeness, and he just wants to bless you and hug you and embrace you and give you the fullness of his life. That's our Heavenly Father's love for us. And so the goal is to get close to that and to experience that because then all of a sudden his life becomes your life and his peace is your peace. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the world because you've got the relationship with your Father and is blessed. And then from there you start to discover, wow, he loves me so much, he actually forgives me. You know, it might be hard for people on earth to forgive each other, but our Father's love is so big that he absolutely forgives in perfection. And in that forgiveness, you're free. Like never before in your life, free. You are loved and you are chosen and you're cherished and you are free in your forgiveness. There's, it's all done. And then from there, you serve and you give and you go. Those are the things I delight in talking about. Absolutely. That's the greatest story, the greatest thing I could possibly share with you is this love of God for you, this cherishing of you and this beautiful life that he wants you to have and to enjoy with him. Have as much of heaven on earth as possible. That's my best story. Now, the greatest goal is to share that. Now, you notice in the five readings that we had today in the gospel lesson, did you notice that they're all saying about the same thing? Did you kind of notice that? For whatever it's worth, if you go back and you look at today's lessons, in all those lessons, those are the last words that Jesus is speaking to his friends. Before he goes home, and he's going to leave them here until he gets to see them again. In Matthew, if you didn't hear it, he had to tell you again in Mark. And if you didn't hear it in Matthew and Mark, he'll tell you in Luke. If you didn't hear it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he'll tell you it in John. 
If you didn't get Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then you'll get it in Acts. So actually, I know there's another book in there, Romans, but Acts. So in this book of Acts, all of those were red letters. All of those were the, the last thing that Jesus, the last imparting thing that Jesus could give to those he knew and loved in this world was an invitation for them to go, to go. Now, did you notice that they all said the same words or similar words, but they didn't say them the same way? Some emphasized repentance and believing. Some emphasized witnessing. Some emphasized the power and authority that was given to Jesus and presented. Some mentioned the Holy Spirit. Some mentioned peace. But in every one of those, at the end of that other part, they all had the thing of go as witnesses, as the tellers of the story. And that story was theirs. That's why it sounded differently. If you were all to leave church today and tell your friends what you heard in the gospel lessons, if you all tell your friends what you heard in the Bible lessons and the songs, the songs are telling the story today too. If you're noticing the songs, the words to the songs and the melodies are all about going and the blessedness of going. But if you were to tell the story, you'd tell it differently just because God made you that way. You're not supposed to say the same. You're just supposed to all say the same thing about Jesus. So on this one, that your story matters, all right? So we all have a story to tell. You've all been blessed with a relationship with God in a very unique way. You've, had, you've lived your life in different ways. You've experienced life in this different way. He has created you differently. And so how you tell his story is different. And how he's blessed you and how you've experienced his love for you is unique, different than mine, different than anybody else's. But you have a story. And the evil one might want you to think that you don't have a story to tell. He might think that he might try to tell you that the world won't care about your story. The evil one will try to think that it's not even important. And at that point, you just tell the evil one to be quiet because God says you got, you, you'll be blessed when you tell the story. Because the greatest gift I have is when my friends, when my sons come to church and my wife is coming to church and the people I know and love most in the world, you guys are coming to church. I just sing on the inside. Christmas and Easter, I love it because everybody comes home. I delight knowing that you're coming close to the one who loves you most. And there's a story in this that some of us don't always put together, but remember the story about the guy who was possessed by a legion of demons? Remember? He's a Gerasene demoniac, the, the guy who was in the land of Gerasenes. Well, the land of Gerasene is actually, they would call it the, the Decapolis, the area of the ten cities. And the Decapolis was a, a pagan place. It was not of the Jewish believing, Right? They had a variety of Greek gods, a variety of Roman gods. They had the ancient gods of Baal and all the other gods that were in the land at the time. It was a land that had all kinds of possible worships. And some of the worships they used used pigs, and they would spill the guts of pigs. This was a land, well, we'll think about it. When Jesus went, he said, we're going to cross over to the other side. And when they get there, the, the disciples are going to this land. And the first thing they see as they're approaching it, they're coming across the lake on this boat, and they're looking at the shoreline, like right over there. They look at that shoreline, and they're saying, wow, there's tombs. That's defiled land. Jews don't go in the tomb areas like this, particularly of the Gentile world. So they're going to a defiled land with just the tombs. And then not only that with the decaying bodies on the inside, now they're stepping foot. No, there's a bunch of herds of swine to the Jews. Being about a bunch of swine, that's a symbol of filth and a symbol of ugly things. And so they say, now we got the tombs, we got the swines, and now the, 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 the dark cherry on the top of this mud pie is a man who is possessed with a legion, not just one, a legion, right? Remember this story? And so this man greets Jesus as they're stepping off the boat, and the disciples are thinking, Lord, why are we even here? This is a defiled land, a godless land, a heathen land. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Why are you going to do this and defile yourself by stepping foot on that soil? And he stepped on the soil, 
He told the legion to be quiet. They begged him not to send them into the abyss, which means that they were going to be destroyed. They know the authority of Jesus. The demons know, if only the people would recognize it, right? But the demons knew, and he says, okay, go to the pigs. Oh, great. They go to the pigs, and they go off the cliff, and they die. So Jesus shows authority, but what do you got at the end of this story? You got this guy. We didn't know his name. We'll never know his name. His name's not mentioned. He's just a guy. He could be a lady, just somebody. It could be any of us. Jesus comes across a lake, comes through a storm, steps foot on defiled land for one guy. And he sets that guy free. Think about what his life was. He wasn't just addicted. He was possessed by a legion, not just one, but a legion. He could not overcome this. This legion thinks occupied his mind and his body. It would throw him into fires. It would smash him against over things. It would make him cut himself. This legion of demons totally occupied this man. He lost his mother. He lost his children. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost his community. Everything that was near and dear to this man was lost because these demons had occupied him and he could do nothing about it and they could do nothing for him either. He's in a land where there's not much God and they have all this pagan stuff surrounded by filth. He's now living in these tombs. He doesn't even wear clothes. He hasn't bathed. He is a knotted up haired mess of a man. And Jesus finds him and he tells the demons to leave him. And now that man is set free. He's been cursed for how many years? How many years has he been cursed? No one knows. But in that moment, at the word of God, he is now set free. And in his freedom, he, he's discovering it, it, the, the one before him is the one who did it. This is God. This is the son of God. He knows what the demons know because no one, the disciples are still kind of clueless. But this man knows that's the son of God. And he just set me free. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I'm in my right mind. I'm in my right spirit. I'm alive. And I am free the blessedness of being in that relationship with God. And the very first thing that he asks his, this Jesus, this Messiah who just set him free, the very first thing he begs of Jesus is says, Jesus, let me go with you. I don't want to ever risk that again, right? I don't ever want to be occupied demons. I don't want to go to this world, Lord. Of all the things in my life I've ever experienced this that's true and right and holy and fully alive and free is now in your presence. I don't want to go anywhere. Jesus, can I follow you? Can I, can I go with you? And Jesus tells him no. You might think, well, that's kind of harsh. The best and brightest and most beautiful thing that ever came to this man in his, in his condition and set him free just told me can't follow him. Jesus tells him, no, you got to go home. You got to go back to the Decapolis, these 10 cities. And you're going to tell them what the Lord God has done for you. Well, that's what he does. Now, a lot of times we end the story with that. But that's not the end of the story. That's chapter 5 in Mark. In chapter 8 in Mark, Jesus finds himself in the regions of Tyre and Sidon. And you might be thinking, what can one person do? Right? If you ever wonder, what difference does your witness make? What difference does your capacity to love somebody make? If you stand up for what's right and what's true, and if you personally ask God to be forgiven and healed and set free, if you do that, you think, okay, now I got it. What difference does your voice make? This story could absolutely convince you that your story, your voice can change the lives of thousands. Because later on, Jesus, just months, maybe a year later, Jesus is in the region of Tyre, Sidon, it's up to the north, and he's coming back through, and he's coming back through the Decapolis. You can read this in your own chapter 8. He's coming back through the Decapolis area, and he's out in the middle of kind of like the wilderness, 
because he's a little bit tired. And you know what happens? 4,000 people find him. 4,000 people. He's going in the wilderness. But they've heard about him, and they're going to tell someone, they're going to tell someone else, they're going to tell one more person, and before you know it, five turns into 50, turns into 1,000, turns into 4,000 people because they, they want to be near Jesus. They want to see this Jesus. They want to see the one who is the Son of God who, can, who loves like this and who saves and heals like this that would do this to this one man, this one who'd been possessed. They're all up there now on the hillside, and the disciples, they're always thinking about the limits. Oh, we only got a small church, and I'm only one person, and no one will listen to me, and the world's so evil, they're not interested in God. They have a list of a thousand reasons why they will not speak on behalf of Jesus and be courageous for Jesus. A thousand reasons. This one man, he didn't care about that. And Jesus is pointing to them. He says, okay, guys, give me what you got. You say I can't feed him. You can't feed him. We're hopeless, whatever. So they bring them their seven loaves of of bread. He blesses it, and all 4,000 were fed. The second feeding, the 4,000. Everybody came looking for Jesus because of that one man. And maybe their friends. And now when they found Jesus, they didn't go away hungry. When they made the effort to seek down the Savior, this powerful Son of God, they were fed. Five times Jesus says go. He's telling us go. You don't have to come up with a cool story. Folks, you don't have to know all of the history of the Bible. You don't have to know the orders of the Old Testament books and the New Testament books. You don't have to understand the mysteries of the Trinity. You don't have to recite the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and know the names of the bishops who did that in the Council of Nicaea. You don't have to know how God is, Jesus is both fully God and fully man. All of those mysteries, just, just put them aside. What the world's looking at is not about your knowledge. The world's looking at say, do you love your Lord and tell me about this Lord you love? Tell me about the one who you know loves you in spite of you and because of you. Where's your source of life? Where's your source of love? Your enthusiasm for it all. Where's that source? I want to drink that Kool-Aid, right? You can tell your story. Tell the story of what God's done for you, not what God's done for Pastor Jeff or what Pastor Jeff said or what Matthew, Mark, or Luke said or what Olin Echex or Bunsgaard said. What did God, what has God done for you? To the world out there who's looking, that, that demon-possessed man went into a godless world, and for whatever it's worth, the people in that godless world are God's kids too. And they were hoping for a chance to meet truth. They were hoping for a chance to meet the God who would love them and forgive them and have the power to say, I forgive, and evil ones go away. They were hoping for that, and they got their chance, and they weren't disappointed. So on our part of it, we just tell our story. And if the devil thinks that your story is going to be small, tell the devil again, quiet. Because you don't know when your, your words might change the lives of somebody. I told 25 people about fishing in the lake. First one came, infected, loves the lake, bought a kayak, tells the rest of her world about this beautiful lake. Man, a great dear friend. He knows this fishing spot. Oh man, maybe he'll bring his, 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 his best friend there and, and his family there someday. I mean, they can share it, right? It just starts with one person telling what God's, how God's blessed him to another, to another, and to another. And before you know it, maybe 4,000 people. 
One person to 4,000. What happens if 260 people of Emmanuel Lutheran Church, I know we're a small church, and God's growing us, he's multiplying us. What happens if our 260 people now multiplied like that one guy? What's 4,000 times 260? That's a big number, right? We'll have to figure it out. But we're disciples, and we're not going to say that God can't do it or God won't do it because God wants all his kids home. He wants all his kids home, knowing that they're loved and they're forgiven and they're blessed. God help us be that church. Amen. We'll express our profession of faith through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we approach you in prayer this day and every day because your Son, Jesus, encouraged us to do so. Trusting in Jesus and believing you to be a God of perfect love, we pray now. Father, we ask you to remove any and every worldly temptation that will interfere with our daily reading of your word and our living in obedience. If it gives you glory, teach us the blessed way of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you continue to guard your church against all temptations and evil-inspired lies. Raise up faithful pastors to speak your word. Raise up faithful servants to accomplish her mission. Encourage faithful support to provide the resources to accomplish such work. Lord, in your mercy. Father, give to our president, Congress, governor, and all elected and appointed public servants a heart for your people, a desire to lead according to your holy will, and a passion for service. Give special blessing to all emergency and disaster workers who serve us in our greatest moments of need and protect those who defend us at home and abroad. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Spirit of God, guide us to look beyond ourselves and to recognize the poor and those in need. Give us voices to speak on their behalf and give us generous hearts to supply their need from our abundance. Lord, in your mercy. Father God, we pray for those we know and love who are sick and for those who suffer, for those troubled in mind or heart, for the grieving in their sorrow, and for the dying in their last days on earth, especially for those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. 
Into your hands, merciful Father, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in you and your love. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we boldly prayed. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.